Why hello there you. Before you get on and listen to this latest episode, I want to ask you a question. Do you have enough Myrtleade in your life? If the answer is no, did you know that you can get exclusive access to two whole previous seasons, dozens of exclusive episodes and a catalogue of minisodes? All you have to do is head on over to patreon.com forward slash Myrtleade spelt M-U-R-D-E-R-L-A-I-D-E and join our Patreon family. For as little as five bucks a month, you get more Myrtleade than your strange mind can handle. The more you pledge, the more you get. Seriously, guys, that is like a single cup of coffee per month and you help support me as a creator and you help keep this podcast an ad-free zone. Because, you know, there has to be one space in our lives that's ad-free. Okay, on with today's offering. Why, hello there, my dear strange ones. Are you ready? We're going to do this. It's been a while since we took a walk down Myrtle Lane together. Welcome to Myrtle Lane, the podcast. As always, I am your host, Anne. I'm on my second gin of the night, and for some reason, I'm a little hyperactive. This is my second recording, because the first, I was talking so fast, you can barely understand me. I want to give an official shout out to Katrina Harbison, Ashley Wilde, Chelsea Harper, Sarah Gray, and Kate Young. Hey, guys, thank you all so much for becoming the latest members of our Patreon family. You rock my world and you've helped make this show a self-sustaining entity. If you too would like to become a benefactor of the show and get a shout out, well, you just need more Myrtleade in your life. Head on over to patreon.com slash and make your pledge. This is now where I store a huge catalogue of content. So there's back content now. I have microsodes on the missing missing, serials on serial killers, and some higher tiers get free merch, but you all get my eternal gratitude. Patreon is where I'm about to launch my own Discord channel. So we can chat. How cool will that be? There is now an option on Patreon to pay by year and get a discount. This discount extends to existing patrons also. If they want to sign up for 12 months, you get a pretty big chunk off. Now, the reason that I haven't released a regular episode for a few weeks is because I've actually been working on my Patreon page where our Patreon family all gets together and listens to other stuff. So that is actually what pays for this show. So that is why I've been missing from here for a little while is I've been working with the Patreon team to help make our page better and easier to find stuff. And um, yeah, things like Discord that's coming. So 
If you want merch, you can literally wear your salty language on your chest. Head on over to murderlade.com and check out the shop and check out the blog for a few of my more serious crime writings. This podcast contains graphic depictions of violence, salty language and poor grammar. And by now, you should just know that this is an involuntary twitch for me. So if you are like offended by these things, then suck it up, princess, and tell your therapist all about it, because I'm not listening. Sources for today's episode are going to be listed at the end. So I want you to listen all the way through, please, because some of the article's titles will spoil the episode. Today we're going to tell the beginning of the story of the short and complicated life of little vulnerable Zahara Baker. But before we can get to that, we have to tell the story of her wicked stepmother. She's so perfectly wicked, even Disney couldn't have dreamed up this one. Alyssa Annette Fairchild was born in 1968 to Marshall and Sylvia Fairchild in Burke County in the United States. Untangling her web of lies and crimes and deceits is a novella in and of itself. In high school, Alyssa was described by her classmates as attractive, manipulative, cunning and insecure. Oh, I'm actually staring at her word cloud. Uh, The word cloud I made is so fucking awful. Do you want to hear it? I I suppose I should describe it first. If you are a first time listener, word clouds are a physical piece of paper I make when I'm looking at a person in depth. I put their photograph in the middle and then I go through interviews and transcripts from people who knew that person or who, who are intimately connected to that person and I start with the words used most commonly in the ring around the person's head and then the, the less common words start going in and around in circles that sort of form a cloud around the person. So what I'm creating is a visual, descriptive sort of embodiment of words that I used to describe that person. So Alyssa Fairchild's word cloud is fucked. The descriptive words from friends and families just, it lets you know exactly who I am writing about when I wrote this, you know, here it is. So I'm going to, I'm And I'm looking at her fucking ugly head. She is described by those who know her as cute, dark, gothic, needy, a liar, struggles with her weight, cunning, insecure, manipulative, always running, control freak, shitty parent, she's a user, depressed, desperate, lonely, hurtful, slutty, unstable, a thief, angry, easy to talk to, just to really throw a monkey in that. She's juxtaposingly referred to no less than nine times in interviews as pure evil. This has to be one of the most troubling word clouds I've ever made, to be honest. This is a picture made up of the feelings Alyssa evokes in the people closer to her, the people she has contact with. So let's go back to the beginning and ask the question, who the fuck is Alyssa Fairchild? 
Alyssa Fairchild was the middle child, surprise, surprise, of three girls brought into a working class, middle class family, where both parents, Marshall and Sylvia, worked either in textile mills or in upholstery furniture factories in North Carolina. Alyssa was a cute and bubbly, raven-haired little lady who her father adored and spoiled rotten. This left Sylvia to be the bad guy lots of times in parenting, and by all accounts, she was pretty liberal with the corporal punishment, especially as Alyssa got older, becoming defiant. There is a quote of someone who saw her slap her daughter in the face, but Alyssa did swear at her mother. So, I mean, fuck. Should my mother slap me now? I just said fuck. Whatever. As Alyssa grew, so did her beauty, and she was a really popular and outgoing teenager, having a few steady boyfriends but dating around quite a lot. Classmates remember before she finally dropped out in her final year, Alyssa was a good dancer and she attended most school socials. One of these on-again, off-again high school boyfriends was a boy named Jerry Winkler. He too had dropped out in his senior year, and then about 12 months later, he bumped into Alyssa at a petrol station. I love how you Americans call it a gas station. It's really cute. He remembers being pretty spun out to see that his high school flame, 12 months later, sitting in a car with a newborn baby girl named Amber. They chatted for a while, and in the course of this conversation, the 17-year-old new mother told Jerry of her devastation that Amber's father had left them both. They started dating, and a week later, the sweet and heartsick teen had asked Alyssa to marry him, and she immediately accepted. One problem, they were both underage, and Jerry's family was having none of it. So they had to seek parental permission to marry, and they actually faked that Jerry was the father of Amber. The pair married on the 14th of September 1985, and they were both 17 years old. Within four months, the marriage had lost its charm, and it was Jerry who sought to end it. A quick blood test proved that he was in fact not the father, as another Jerry, Jerry Springer, would say, and the marriage was annulled. Alyssa was alone again, but not for long. You see, to sort out who Alyssa is, we are going to track her many, many fucking marriages up until the final fatal one. Joseph Proctor would be Alyssa's second husband. She was 19 and he was 28. He was the survivor of a horrific car accident that actually nearly claimed his life and it left him with this lifelong limp and he was pretty self-conscious of it and then this young pretty 19 year old wanted a piece of him and he was all for it. They'd only be going out a few months when bam she tells him that she's pregnant again and on the 5th of September 1987, two years almost to the day since she married Jerry, Alyssa became Mrs Proctor. Four months later, she gave birth to her second child, a son named Douglas. Within the year, the true nature of this mental woman had reared its ugly head, and the couple had also welcomed their second child and Alyssa's third child in four years, another girl that they named Brittany. Joseph's mother, with the best name ever, a woman named Lavertus White, had a restraining order placed against Alyssa. So the couple were temporarily split 
And apparently to her husband's mother, her new mother-in-law, Alyssa allegedly threatened to kill the children, wreck the car, and Mrs. White said that she was stealing and trashing the house that she actually owned that the family were living in. Mrs. White dropped the charges at her son's urging after the couple inevitably reconciled. However, on Christmas Day 1990, Alyssa packed her two girls in the car and left Joseph Proctor, her husband of only three years, and their tiny infant son behind her. The human carnage in the wake of this woman is unbelievable. The divorce was finalised in early 1992 and Alyssa got Brittany and Amber, Joseph got custody of little Douglas. This left Alyssa alone again, a situation that she would soon rectify because apparently being alone is unbearable to Alyssa. When she met Andrew Harris in a bar just after he knocked off work one day in February 1992, I reckon Alyssa knew that he was her next mark. The pair married on the 17th of April 1992 and Alyssa was now Mrs. Alyssa Fairchild Winkler Proctor Harris, or Mrs. Harris for short. Andrew worked long hours at the textile plant, just like her father. Soon after they married, Andrew noticed his new bride was overzealous with discipline when it came to her two young daughters. Of that, he said, quote, The truth is she treated them like dirt. There was nothing nice about that woman. End quote. After one monumental fight in early 1994, two years into their tumultuous marriage, Andrew decided to leave the house and call off at a mate's place for two days. When he returned home, he was determined to make a stand with Alyssa, but he returned to an empty house. Alyssa had left him with the children and she took every stick of furniture. She left no forwarding address, as I'm sure you can imagine, but she started what was uh, the first in a really long line of creditors chasing her and a heap of bills. By the end of 1994, Alyssa had her new husband set in her sights. The only problem was that she was, you know, actually still married. Daryl Putnam was hearing impaired and he communicates by sign language. He found that with his disability, it was making it hard to date in the small town that he was from. He was increasingly lonely when a neighbour told him that she had just the perfect woman to set set him up with. Blind date number one with Alyssa was at a bar. The two immediately hit it off. She was charming and outgoing, just what Daryl felt he needed in life. In the course of their courtship, Alyssa really stepped up her game a notch and she told the 30-year-old that her now 8-year-old daughter Amber had cancer, which was, of course, a lie. Daryl had always wanted a family and he saw Alyssa as the perfect wife for him, with children being built in was just a bonus. Over the years, Alyssa had changed from beautiful, coy slip of a thing to an aggressive, manipulative woman of over 300 pounds, 
That's about 140 kilos for you Aussies. She stayed charming just long enough to secure a marriage these days. To Daryl Pullman, it was on the 4th of February, 1995. Ten months later, after she married Daryl, her divorce from her previous husband finally went through. Not that Daryl knew anything about that. She was now Mrs. Alyssa Fairchild Winkler Proctor Harris Putnam. Daryl was soon in love with being a father and he quickly became Mr. Mum with the two girls while Alyssa took off doing basically whatever the fuck she wanted. At around this time, her mother passed away from cancer and Daryl says her behavior became increasingly erratic, but he really didn't know any better having never lived with a woman. He felt like this might have been normal. She stayed out of the house for days at a time and she drank heavily. He kind of put up with it because he loved the kids. But the death knoll for Daryl was when he came home from work one day early without telling her and he found his ballooning wife in bed fucking another man. He walked over to his mother's house to cool down and when he returned, you guessed it, Alyssa had cleaned out his house taking everything, including this poor man's hearing aids. Their marriage ended in late 1996, having lasted just over a year. Alyssa was now becoming quite violent in her relationships, which I am sure Jeffrey Ulred wishes someone had told him when he began dating Alyssa in 1997. They would drive around to like local swanky suburbs and she would daydream that they would too would live one day in one of those large houses with manicured lawns. The pair married on the 3rd of October 1997 and she was now, wait for it, Mrs. Alyssa Fairchild Winkler Proctor Harris Putnam Ulred. The blissful drives and dreams of the future rapidly turned to nightmares for poor Jeffrey. Jeffrey claims that his new wife would beat him with a baseball bat and throw rocks at him and that he was terribly afraid of her. Now I've seen a picture of this dude, he's like 6'2 and 200 pounds so... She must have been quite a vile piece of shit to scare him. He said he secretly wondered if she was going to kill him in his sleep one day. In the spring of 1998, he did what many battered and beaten partners in violent relationships do. He secreted away money and packed a suitcase. He stashed it in the wardrobe. One day, Alyssa bundled the girls into the car to go grocery shopping. Basically, she'd barely left the driveway when he pulled out his bag, jumped into his car, and he ran for the hills, never to return. Jeffrey claims he was so afraid to see Alyssa again that he wouldn't file for divorce because he didn't want to see her in court. So consequently, they actually remained married. Not long after Jeffrey left, Alyssa met Aaron Young. Or maybe there is actually some crossover here when they were dating, but it was like the blink of an eye. Aaron had a lifelong disability due to a childhood illness, and this left him with what I would probably call like an interesting gait, of which he was really self-conscious and he is self-described as pathologically shy. He says Alyssa is the first woman to ever look at him. When they married on the 8th of August 1998, not only was she actually still married to Jeffrey, she was technically still married to Daryl Putnam as well. She was 30 and Aaron was just 20. 
She was now Mrs. Alyssa Fairchild Winkler Proctor Harris Putnam Allred Young. By 30, she had now been married six times. Aaron took his stepfather role really seriously and he became this like steady and stable influence in her children's lives. He tried really hard to please Alyssa and to make things work. Unknown to her sixth husband was that at th- by this time, the 30-year-old had been evicted from over 40 rental properties. She was being chased by debtors for utility bills, fines and unpaid credit charges. She was a bigamist. She had hundreds of thousands of dollars all over the place. During their ill-fated and actually illegal marriage, Alyssa began to rebrand herself. And if you'll indulge me, I'll run you through that. Alyssa had spent the majority of her adult life ash blonde. She uh, had maintained that. She was really meticulous about her hair. That changed during the course of her marriage. She went jet black with a bright red stripe. She began to get tattoos and she started spending hours online. Alyssa started dressing like a total slut. She reinvented herself into an online gaming goth with the aura of sex appeal and mystery surrounding her. She worked hard and she dropped a lot of weight. She began online role-playing games depicting herself as some kind of dark witchy sex goddess. And Alyssa took some of these encounters real world. In 2007, she was caught by her mother-in-law fucking a guy in the back seat of a car in a car park like all classy ladies do. So this was some man that she had like met online. And with that, her sixth and longest marriage ended. In 2008, online, Alyssa met Adam Baker, the man she would call her Prince Charming, on the instant messaging virtual universe platform. This is a website where people can make up a 3D avatar and chat online as their new persona. They have adventures, it says. I don't know what kind of adventures. Sounds pretty skeezy. I have to say that Alyssa's avatar was thinner, younger, sexier, and way less fucked up than the real Alyssa. But isn't that the purpose of an online avatar? Adam Baker's avatar was also thinner and had more hair. (laughs) Despite the fact that she was already still married to three other men when she met Adam, after some months he proposed and Alyssa accepted. She flew to Queensland in Northern Australia to meet and marry the 30-year-old Adam Baker and to meet his then eight-year-old daughter, little Zahara. She was 40. They married in the backyard of his family home in Queensland, Australia on the 8th of July 2008 and with this Adam sealed his fate and that of his tiny and vulnerable daughter who would be dead by October 2010, just two years and three months later, surrounded by mystery. But that is a story for another day. Sleep with one eye open and call the cops on all your dodgy neighbours. Sources for this episode are WTV.com article called Who is Alyssa Baker? An NBC News article titled Dismembered Girl's Stepmum Led a Troubled Life by Mitch Weiss and Tom Breen. The Murderpedia page on Alyssa Baker. The 60 Minutes interview by Liz Hayes with Alyssa Baker. 
from the Nine News website an article called Alyssa Baker's Life of Deception Revealed from the 7th of February 2011. A Winston-Salem Journal article from the 4th of February 2011 titled Alyssa Baker Married Seven Times Including Overlapping. again it's me and can I ask you a favor if you liked this episode of Murderlade or any previous episodes please take a moment to rate and review if you are listening on Apple Podcasts or alternately head on over to Facebook and rate the show at the Murderlade the podcast page every rate and review helps other strange ones find us and join the family Oh yeah, and I totally mean that in a creepy Manson family or the Aussie cult, the family kind of way. Thanks for listening.